Hello, this is Dr. Kevin Jackson. I want to welcome you to Ministry Moments. I am so excited about today's podcast. I want to say that I am thoroughly enjoying um, sharing with you from the Word of God. And for those of you that are on Facebook, I want to invite you to uh, connect with me on Facebook that you may join us in the prayers that we are praying. We have been praying for 19 days and we're praying all the way through December 31st, asking the Lord to move uh, in our lives. On today, I want to share with you from Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 uh, through verse 15. Verses 12 through 15. And the word of the Lord says, Not that I have already reached the gold or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. Let's pray. Father, bless our time together in this word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share about moving forward. Moving forward. One of the frustrating things in life is not being able to determine if you have actually achieved anything or made progress. If you've ever started a project or done anything that you set out to do, and when you look back over it and see that you haven't moved very far or made any progress, it can be frustrating. Uh, if you've ever tried to put a jigsaw puzzle together and you decided that you're not going to use the age-old uh, guaranteed way of getting progress by starting with the edges because those are more easy to identify, you decided you're just going to start anywhere in the middle or what have you. And to your frustration, you're not able to make progress is because of where you actually started. You started with a process that when you began it, it was sure to not be progressive. And that is how we may feel in different areas of our lives and our walk with Christ in our calling in our relationships, in our profession, in our education, whatever it is that we have set forth as goals in life. I am certain many of you, including myself, made some wonderful goals at the beginning of 2018. And to some of our goals they were achieved and then there's some that we may have to push on 
to 2019. There have been some victories and then there have been some loss. There have been some happy times and then there have been some sad times. The fact of the matter is, is that life is filled with a myriad of emotions, experiences that are both good and positive. And regardless of where you are right now, on December 19th, 2018, wherever you are financially, spiritually, in relationship, wherever you are educationally, wherever you are as it relates to the goals that you have set, I want to encourage you to move forward. Don't get stuck in the place of frustration. Don't get stuck in the place where it seems like there is no movement. And the place doesn't have to be a literal place. It can be a mindset. It can be a place of frustration. I believe that it's time to move forward. One of the things that the Apostle Paul provides for the Philippian church, and he's writing to them. It is amazing. He is writing to the Philippian church while he, scholars believe, he is held captive, jail, on lockdown. And Paul, in his own struggle, challenges, reaches out to this church, the Philippian church, whom he loves dearly. And he encourages them in the midst of their difficulty and in the midst of their trials. And what the Apostle Paul says in verses 12 uh, through 15, I believe will give us some indication of what we need to do throughout the rest of this year and next year and the years to come how we can move forward. The first thing that the Apostle Paul says, and I want you to get this observation in moving forward. The first observation that the Apostle Paul makes, he says, not that I have already reached the goal or am fully mature. The first thing we have to do if we're going to move forward in any area of our lives, financially, relationally, spiritually, or anything, the Apostle Paul, what he did there is, he made an assessment of where he was. He made an assessment of where he was. Sometimes we're afraid to assess where we are because we're afraid of disappointment. We're afraid that we haven't come further than we thought we had come. But let me tell you something. Anything that is not assessed for progress, for movement forward, will keep you and has the potential to drive you backwards. If you never know where you are, how can you effectively move forward? It's like a person who is lost in the wilderness or lost in the jungle. And they say, I'm going to move forward. How do you know that you're moving forward? You can't know that you're moving forward until you assess where is my current location. And then I have to look at the map 
and determine which direction do I need to go in order to move forward. I hope you hear what the Lord is saying. You can't move forward financially until you assess where you are financially. We cannot move forward spiritually until we assess where am I with my walk with God? Am I praying? Am I reading my, my word? Am I attending church on a regular basis? Uh, am, I, am I fasting? Am I doing my spiritual practices? Assessment is the very first step in moving forward, even in your marriage. Where are we in our marriage? I know we've been married for 24 years, but where, where are we at? Where are we? Are we madly in love or are we cold? Because 24 years, a number does not necessarily indicate happiness and fulfillment. And it's the same thing in our walk with Christ. Just because we've been saved for 10, 15 years doesn't mean that it's been a good journey. Doesn't mean that we've been faithful to the relationship. But so here again, to move forward, as Paul has demonstrated in this text, he assessed where he was and he was real with himself. He was honest with himself. So before we can move forward, we have to first assess where am I? The second observation that the apostle Paul made as we look forward to moving forward he says, but I make every effort to take hold of it. The second observation is, the first that we said, we must assess where we are. The second is, once I've assessed where I am at, now I must use effort to achieve what I set out to do. That's why the Apostle Paul says, but I make every effort. He's talking about passion. He's talking about drive. He's talking about effort. He's talking about a desire to move forward. Action. There are things that has to be done in order to move forward. Just as simple as taking steps forward. Action, movement, work has to be done in order to move forward. Once we've assessed where we are, now we determine, okay, I need to do this. If I'm assessing my spiritual walk with God and I've determined that I have some, some um, not so good parts in my walk, then I know now I take hold of it. I begin to fill in those empty places. I begin to fill in those voids with the things of God so that I can actually take hold of the goal that I've set out to do. Once I find out that I'm spending too much on Amazon, then how do I take hold of it? I take hold of it by not spending so much money on Amazon and rather sending that money to my savings account or investment or whatever I, other investment tools that I have. There has to be action and taking hold of the goal if 
we're going to move forward. Now, he goes even more specific. He says um, in verse 13, the latter part of how his effort is helping him to move forward. He says, I forget what is behind. There are some things that you and I must let go. This is a part of taking hold. In order to take hold, you got to let go. That means letting go of some relationships that are not going to be suitable and compatible, hallelujah, for where God wants to take you. Letting go of mindset and mentality that you are what people call you. No, you're not. You got to let that stuff go. You answer to only that which you are. Taking hold, Paul says, in order for me to move forward, I must forget those things that are behind. And let me say this to you as well. It's not always forgetting uh, the bad things that you let behind, but you also have to forget successes as well. You know, sometimes we can get so engulfed and overwhelmed with our wonderful selves of our successes in the past that we are blind to the opportunities that God himself has orchestrated for us in the present and the future. Paul says, if I'm going to move forward, a part of my effort, a part of me taking hold of my goal is I have to let go some things and then I have to use all of my energy and strength and effort to reach reach for that education reach for new relationships that are healthy reach for a greater understanding of the word of god reach for those things that i've set as a goal if we're going to move forward we have to number one assess where we are number two the second observation is that we have to Use effort to take hold of it. And then the final thing, the final observation, is actually in verse 12. Paul says, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Glory, hallelujah. What Paul was saying is, yes, I've assessed where I'm at, and I know I'm using effort to move forward, but he says, I'm not in this thing alone. Jesus Christ is taking hold of me. He's apprehending me. He's taking me unto himself. We move forward. Yes, there's action that we must do. There's assessment, and then there's effort, but Christ can you picture Christ at the finishing line and a rope tied around your waist and you might be getting tired and weary, but he's pulling you. He's yanking on that rope and you might be walking or he might even be dragging you, but he is taking hold of you. The reason why you and I are going to be able to move forward Yes, assessment of where we are is important. And yes, the effort that we make is important. But thanks be to God, Jesus is pulling for us. 
Jesus is apprehending us. He's taking hold of us. He is exerting effort and energy and resources for little old you and little old me to ensure that we reach the goal. We reach the mark. The ultimate goal is that we reach heaven and Christ is pulling for us. I'm talking about literally. He's pulling. He's yanking. He may even be dragging, as I said before, but he is in this moving forward effort process with us. Hallelujah. And so my brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to move forward. How do we move forward? We need to assess where we are. And then we need to put forth the effort to move forward. And then we need to be cognizant of the fact that not only are we moving forward, but Christ is pulling us forward. He's exerting effort and resources to aid us in reaching our goals. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be encouraged to move forward in the different areas of our lives. And we are so grateful that we're not in this movement alone, but Jesus is with us. And we are grateful for that. Thank you, Lord, that we're taking steps to reach the goals that you have purposed in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening in to Ministry Moments. I know this one went on a little longer than I intended, but I hope you've been blessed by it. Continue to uh, take a listen at some of the podcasts on Ministry Moments. This is Dr. Jackson. God bless. Hello, this is Dr. Kevin Jackson. Thank you for joining me for Ministry Moments. I am glad that you are joining me on this podcast today. This is a beautiful day, for it's the day that the Lord is made on a beautiful Palm Sunday. Allow me to take the opportunity to thank and welcome those who are tuning in from the Navy, those who I have served as their chaplain or am serving as their chaplain. I want you to know that I am blessed that you are connecting with me and that I pray that the Lord will bless you through his word on today. Well, let's pray. Father, it is in Jesus' name that I take this opportunity to share the word with your people. I pray that you will anoint it, bless it, that we may be encouraged. Pull us through, stretch us, bless us, keep us, turn us around, deliver us, help us, save us. Do whatever you need to do in our lives as we listen to your word. And I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, typically I would be teaching and preaching from a text that is normally taught on Palm Sunday, the day in which Jesus would triumphantly ride into a city ultimately Jerusalem, on a donkey and colt, and he would be sung at, and accolades would be flying towards him. But towards the end of that week, uh, he ultimately would be crucified and buried and raised from the dead on the third day. And so, instead of reading or teaching from 
a typical Palm Sunday text. I'm going to share from you what I believe I've been led to share with you from, and that is Isaiah 26, verses 1 through 3. Isaiah 26, verses 1 through 3. This is an Old Testament text, the prophet Isaiah. And it reads, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. I want to share with you today from the premise, a song of testimony. A song of testimony. I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. I was born in Tuskegee, Alabama. And one of the most popular genres in that era and in that time period was the blues. The blues was a genre in which the artists would write lyrics to express those downtrodden experiences that they had in their lives. Generally, it would focus around what was going on in the home, in relationship, B.B. King, since I lost my baby. Or they would sing about the trials and tribulations that they experienced at work or in the community, uh, any kind of opposition that they may have experienced from others. The blues was a way to let out the frustration that was built up in the heart and minds of an individual. And it was simply voiced, it was simply orchestrated through lyrics that would be very vivid and paint a picture of what was going on. And that's what we see here in the text in Isaiah 26. The prophet, the in-house prophet, is the prophet Isaiah. He is one who I believe has prophetic integrity. Isaiah does not say what he thinks God says. He doesn't say what he assumed God said. Isaiah only spoke what God said. Therefore, he had that prophetic integrity. He would only say what God said, and whatever Isaiah prophesied, it would come to pass. Not only that, but Isaiah was very accurate, and he would forecast uh, that Christ would be born as a babe, and he would describe him as a wonderful counselor, prince of peace, and mighty God. You'll see that in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah was accurate in all of his prophetic utterances. And so he wrote in his writings, uh, in which we call this one of the major prophets because of its large volume, he wrote about the struggles of God's people. He wrote about the enemies in which they had to encounter. In fact, he would write about a host of nations that God himself would come through, overrule, throw down, and deliver the people through. Isaiah chapter 24 and 25 is going to reflect on those apostates, those who are falling away. And then in Isaiah 26, chapter 26, there is, that is, uh, he would give those people in the land of Judah, Judah meaning praise, he would give them a word of hope. He would tell them that the words that he was going to relate to them would be subject to be a song. 
In fact, it would be a song of testimony of what God has done for them. If you've ever been in church for a while, and certainly in my tradition, testimony service was very important. It was an opportunity for those who had gone through some difficulties and stressors of life believers who would stand before the congregation and they would give testimony, their account of how things were going bad or struggle or there was some kind of friction, but God would come through Christ, would manifest himself through his power, through other people in which they would get the victory. The purpose of testimony services in most church services is to talk about what was and what became as a result of God interjecting himself through others in their situation and bringing them the victory. This is what Isaiah does in the text. He says to them in verse 1, he says, In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. Isaiah is that prophet and he is forecasting what is going to take place. They were in a time of difficulty and struggle. They were in a time where they had to deal with a lot of enemies. They were on restriction. They were in difficult places. They had to look over their shoulder. They probably had some signs of trauma because of all of the enemies in which they had to deal with. It was an unsettled time for them. The future was uncertain. We can identify with many of those emotions as we today deal with this COVID-19 and the coronavirus. We have not gone this way before, most of us in this dispensation, where we've seen the ravaging uh, infection of this virus throughout the world. We've seen the numbers of deaths in the United States grow exponentially. Uh, even at this present time, up to 7,000, where many are sequestered or in quarantine. There are stay-at-home orders. There are curfews in Alabama after 5 o'clock. If you're caught off the road uh, and you're not doing something that is essential, you can be fined up to $500 each time you are caught. There are drastic measures being taken for drastic situations. In fact, you can't even congregate with more than 10 people. Therefore, many churches are functioning and broadcasting online in order to try to meet the spiritual needs of the people. It is for us a very trying time. It's uncertain when this will move and lift off. If you are like me, there have been some days where it seems like you are in the twilight zone. It just seems unreal. But the prophet Isaiah, while they were experiencing similar emotional ups and downs, while they were having these same thoughts and conversations with their neighbors and families about their own struggle and difficulty, the prophet inserted a prophetic word that in that day, 
This song will be sung in the land of Judah. It was a forecast that what you are experiencing right now will not always be what you will experience. There is going to come a day of change, of shift, of adjustment. Uh, There's going to come a shifting in what you're feeling right now and what you are experiencing. In fact, what he was telling them, you will sing a new song. The song that you're singing right now, it's about the difficulties, it's about the struggles, it's about what you would rather be able to go and interact with others. You you would rather not be afraid of of dying and those that you love and those that are older. He's saying to us today, you will sing a new song. It may not be today, but in that day, a day that is coming, you will be able to sing a new song. And so he gives them this set of lyrics. The first part he says is, we have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. One of the things that you will be able to sing a new song about in your song of testimony is the works of God. You will be in a position where you will be able to say God did this and God did that. You will be able to testify in your song about the works of God. Isaiah is telling the people of Judah that you're going to be able to testify that where you may have been weak and overrun in some instances by enemies, you are going to be able to sing a testimony, a song of testimony that you have a strong city now. It's been fortified. It's been built up because God is the contractor, the architect. He is the one that is doing the building. He is creating These walls, he says, he sets up salvation as walls. These walls are built upon salvation. It is a contrast between salvation, the spiritual and the physical, seeing a fortified city with walls that would block out enemies, keep them in and keep those within the walls safe. Salvation itself is really defined as saved, rescued, helped delivered. Isaiah is big on imagery. He likes to paint a picture so that one can see what he is saying. And so what he's talking about is the works of God. You yourself will have lyrics in the song that you shall sing after this is over. How God did things on your behalf. Perhaps he, you'll be able to sing about the fact that God provided you with substance during a time that there was lack. Perhaps you'll be able to sing a song about the works of God who manifests himself as a healer, maybe not of you, but of a loved one who may have contracted the coronavirus or COVID-19, but they recovered, they came through, they came out. You will sing about the works of God, how God sustained your children in their education and learning. And even while you may have been frustrated because they were in the home and everybody was in the home all day, all the time, you came through because God worked 
some things out behind the scenes. Perhaps you will be able to testify of the works of God that even though you may have lost your job or that your spouse may have lost his or her job, that you were yet sustained because every time you look to the left and to the right, God blessed you in some way that you were able to survive. You were able to make it. You were able to get through those difficult and rough days. A song of testimony. You will sing a new song and you will sing about the works of God. Verse 2 says, open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I see in this the imagery of God's people running into this fortified kingdom, feeling and experiencing safety. In fact, the scripture says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run in and they are saved. Understand that the righteous is not just people and it's not people who do everything right because none of those folks exist. We are righteous because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And so those who have faith in Jesus Christ run in to the name of the Lord and they are saved as you can picture Judah and they are running toward this fortified place that God has established for them and they're gaining access. Here's the third observation. You will be able to experience the peace of God. You will be able to experience the peace of God. You keep him in perfect peace who mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Perfect peace comes from God. He is the beholder of peace, the creator of peace. He is the one through Jesus Christ who spoke to the winds and the ways that the disciples were on the ship in the New Testament text. And he was sleeping. There was a raging storm. But when he woke up and when he stood up and when he spoke, peace be still, the sea calmed down. Christ is the beholder of peace. And you will be able to sing about the peace of God because Christ has the peace that we need and the peace of God. May it keep your heart, mind, and soul in Christ Jesus. Understand the peace that God has it is not startled. It is not worried. It is not concerned about things. It is a place of calmness. It is a place of well-being. It's a place of wellness. It is a place of wholeness. And you and I will have the opportunity to gain access to this peace. How do you gain this peace? Perfect peace is obtained by focusing on God. Perfect peace is obtained by focusing on God. In fact, you can have peace right now. If our mind is saturated on God, his doing, what he's already done, what he's doing right now, then we can trust him for what he's going to do because of who he is and what he's all 
ready dime. Perfect peace is obtained by focusing on God. He is his word. Anytime that you and I need to recalibrate our thinking, bring our mind under subjection of the things of God. When we have negative thoughts, when we have fearful thoughts, when we have doubtful thoughts, when we are uh, afraid of what is going to take place, we can grab on to peace by refocusing our minds, shifting our minds on the word of God. He gives peace to those who keep their minds stayed on him. Perfect peace is materialized because we trust in God. What is God looking for? He's looking for you to show some sign, even if it's an inkling of trust in him. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge God and he will direct your path. God is looking for trust in exchange for peace. It's like a baby. You know, I remember my boys when they were small and I would pick them up and throw them in the air and they would just laugh and say, do it again, do it again. It's because they knew that daddy, even though I was throwing them up in the air, that I would not drop them. I would catch them and they had great trust in my ability. That's what God is looking for from you and from me in this season to have the trust that a child has of their parent. And so we are to look unto God who is the author and finisher of our faith. We are to put our eyes into the hills in which our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. I'm asking you that if you really want peace, Trust in God. Look to him to figure things out, to work things out, to shift things around, to bring things about, to make things happen, to make things work out for you. It's displaying, it's displaying that inkling of trust in God in the times where you feel most vulnerable and perfect peace will materialize because you and I possess that trust in God. You will sing a song of testimony. It's going to be a new song about what God has done. It's going to be a song about the works of God, and it's going to be a song about the peace of God that you experience. It is my prayer, in Jesus' name, that you will experience the peace of God in such a real and tangible way. You will have a song of testimony. God bless you. I'm glad that you joined me today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for my brother and sister. I pray that something was said to encourage their hearts during this chaotic time in our lives. But yet, we look to you. We put our focus on you. And we trust in you that we may obtain the peace that only you can give. We sing a song in advance, a new song, not a song of sorrow, not a song of sadness, not a song of nobody knows the troubles I've seen, but we sing a song of victory. As David sang that he was in a pit, but you incline your ear into his cry and you lifted him up and you placed him on a solid foundation. And David says, now I can sing a new song. God, help us to acknowledge and see the works of you. Help us to discern when you're moving on our behalf, on the job, in our relationships, in our finances, in our bodies, on behalf of our loved ones, friends, and neighbors. 
Help us to see your work and help us, God, to abide in your peace, the safest place in the entire world. Thank you for this opportunity to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day on this Palm Sunday day, and I pray that you've been blessed. This is Dr. J. Take care.